Welcome back to another episode of the Totally Uninformed podcast. Today I'm joined by my ex-manager, Jordan McGivney. How's it going, Jordan? Yeah, it's good, mate. It's going well. Yeah? Usually behind the cameras, aren't you? Yeah. X feels hurtful. X. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not my manager now. Yeah. You're on my show now. Yeah, I'm running it. <laughs> Heartbreak, man. <laughs> but now, mate, you, you've leveled up. You're a creative director. Yeah, I drink a lot of coffee, basically. I yeah, that's it, isn't it? That, when I hear creative director, I'm just like, yeah, a lot of coffee a is lot, being drank. Laptops and Starbucks, that's about it. That's, yeah, that's yeah. the peak. But w- tell us a little bit about what creative director is at Hex. Because hey, the company you work at, it's a digital PR agency. What What is the role of creative director? Yeah, essentially, it's um, working with brands um, to help develop their creative strategies, which is really vague, but essentially, it just it just means finding the heart and soul in brands and helping them to come up with like really exciting campaigns, whether that's uh, campaigns that are driven from video, photography or copy, um, and then trying to make an impact from a marketing perspective. I think, I don't know, I think the thing that we're a little bit weird, we kind of like to focus on things that are like sustainable or doing something that's positive in the world. So every single person we work with kind of has some kind of angle like that. So it's quite nice to work with, so to speak. Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's a really nice angle to come from, trying to, as well as make that brand better, make make the world better, I guess. Yeah, yeah, from a really, like, pretentious, wide point of view. But, yeah, <laughs> like, genuinely it is. Like, yeah, definitely my partner, Anya, like, that's what she's passionate about, is, like, trying to, and everyone we work with, trying to find, like, the, well, you see for, like, the brands that give a damn, but it is trying to kind of, like, find that vibe where, yeah, of course, you're a business, we've got to make money and all that, but at the same time, if you can have some kind of angle to you where, you know, whether it's ethical or sustainable, it doesn't matter just having something, uh, helping them on that journey is, yeah, it's, it's, it, it gives a little bit of satisfaction to the job alongside coming up with wacky ideas. Yeah. And as I said before, I used to be in behind the cameras. So everything you've just said about creative director, you do that and more, don't you? You do the video and photography side. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, do video and photography, which is cool. Um, yeah, anything from like just photographing, I don't know, bottles or sheep in a field to like touring Europe in a van um, and doing like a bigger project there, which is cool. Or a sheep in a van drinking from a bottle. Exactly. Either way, to be honest. Why, that, combine how them, did why you not? know about my award-winning piece of work? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. How long did it take you to mention you're an award winner? <laughs> yeah. Three minutes. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh, that, that's actually a bit long for me, to be honest. <laughs> I usually try and get it in the first 10 seconds. Um, but yeah, man. So yeah, it's pretty chill. If I'm honest, mate, I'll, I'm stupidly lucky. I've done a lot of like jobs in my life and creative director is possibly one of the funnest, to be fair. So yeah. yeah. It's the coolest name. Yeah. Yeah. Creative and director in one. Exactly. Just like creative boss man is the, the vibe that I'm going for. But yeah. yeah, it's all right. But anyway, talking about your awards, why don't you tell me? And even me, obviously, we've worked together a lot. I still, I couldn't tell you off the top of your head your story of how you got into video and photography. What was it for you that made you want to go in that direction? Oh, God, getting deep straight away, man. Um, all right, well, it's quite weird, really. Um, actually, I don't know if you know this. You know a lot about me, but you don't know. But yeah, essentially, so I um, I remember distinctively when I decided, okay, like I'm really like passionate about film, what's something I want to do. And it was when I was like a little kid. I was going through a little bit of a rough time in the sense of kind of where I was living, et cetera. Um, and I remember singing in the rain of all films came up on the TV and I remember watching it, watching the full film, being mesmerized by kind of like classical Hollywood cinema, that golden age of cinema. And I just remember being in quite a, not a great moment in my life, but feeling after watching that, feeling a general sense of warmth and happiness. And I think, um, yeah, after watching that, I think I kind of felt if I could do something like that and create that feeling for other people, that would be exciting. So I think that was my initial motivation for getting into it. Going towards more the feature film side of it, I guess, was your original aim. Yeah, yeah. And, and to be honest, it's still still my aim. I'm, I'm not that old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How old are you? Got, 27? 27. God's yeah. not done with me yet. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think that that's still the aim. Yeah, the aim was always feature film. It's kind of it's a long journey and it's kind of one of those things where you take it bit by bit. I don't think anyone in the industry kind of jumps straight into feature film. Um, but I think the passion always is like feature film is one thing, but I think where my passion for creative directing or anything like that, it all comes from storytelling and creating emotion and feeling and 
translating that to other people and i think when you um when you can do that that's really exciting where you can get someone's perspective to change um and that's the same for film it's the same for marketing it's all the same thing um i, I think i'm just kind of like using the tools of video production etc and creative directing to keep developing my skill sets on my journey to hopefully becoming a feature film director what's um what's your main aim when you're doing that stuff is it to get the story across or is it to make people feel a certain way what's more important their feelings are their understanding oh god that's uh, that's a really hard one because they do they do run hand in hand because you have films that you understand very clearly um and then and but you just if you don't feel anything then they're just cold and they're pointless at the same time you have films where you go away from it going Oh, I felt that. No idea what happened, but I Inception felt that. Inception comes to mind. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. There's, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna kind of like, I don't know how to answer that one because I'm kind of like, I feel like what we're all aiming for is both, where people have a really good understanding of what you're trying to tell them, but at the same time they come out, out with a very human understanding. And when you're using cameras and actors and all these kind of like instruments that are mechanical and false and they're not natural but you're using those to tell a very human kind of story um i think that's where the art form and the, the struggle to try and create something like that kind of comes from yeah something you've always talked about is how much you love working with actors how do you try and because you've got it's almost like you've got to get the story across to them to make them feel so they can get the story across to the audience so the audience can feel how do you make the actor understand because obviously you've done directing, which is kind of what I'm referring to here. How do you deal with actors to make sure they're on the same page with you? Oh, um, well, I'm really lucky. So my, my, my dad um, is an actor. So I kind of like grew up with him as an actor. So I kind of very quickly learned how to manage that. Um, there were like a lot of different techniques. And I, I don't know, I think like the method as a term, like you think of like Daniel Day-Lewis or like people get lost in their character um as a technique but that is kind of i would say where a lot of my techniques are derived from or what i do and a lot of it really is just trying to align the character's personal experience with a person's an individual's experience and trying to get them as close as they can so they have an understanding of the character from their personal perspective of okay yeah i can see where that character would come from um and then alongside that it's just really it, it becomes less a here's the script here's the story you've got to understand my story it, uh, in my experience, like great cinema comes from an element of collaboration with the actors. Um, and to be honest, after time, the best work I've done has not necessarily always been me going, this is my story. Half time, the actors have come to me and gone, actually, mate, do you know what? I think this scene's about this. Let me roll this. Um, and, and the scene's come out better. And then at the awards, I've gone, yeah. So anyway, I, I had this genius idea. It uh, <laughs> came out of nowhere. God's gift. But, you know, genuinely, that's the thing. And I think that's what I love about about it is that element of chaos and collaboration. And literally just, I, I'm not one for controlling it. I'm like, literally just on set, I'm just like, okay, this is kind of like the framework we're going to work with. We kind of all know kind of where we're going, but at the same time, let's just enjoy the journey while we're going and just vibe and see what we get. And that's, I don't know, that's my romantic notion of what I love about directing anyway. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sure everyone's thinking, what what awards are you on about? <laughs> so what 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 was the first award you won, and how old were you? Because you were pretty young, weren't you? If I remember right. Uh, yeah. So I got a gold sticker when I was six years old, and that was my first award, and that's when I knew I was you know ready for greatness. A brave uh, boy at the dentist. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I got a lollipop. I was like, yes, still got it. Um, no. So I'm trying to think. Um, yeah. So so I was probably about. I'm trying to think. Sixteen, maybe. Oh no, oh no, no actually, it depends if you count in festivals, there is a terrible film out there somewhere which I've tried to bury, <laughs> there is nothing, but there's a film where like my first ever festival was I made a short documentary called, um, when I was like 14, 15, called Is Santa a Businessman, that was very deep, uh, anti-capitalist movement <laughs> at 14, 15, and I paid my little sister a fiver to say that Santa lived in Westfield. <laughs> Yeah, slightly corrupt filmmaking, but got the message across. But yeah, um, yeah. So the for people who don't know the the festival circuit. So you'd make a film and then you try and push it out to festivals, don't you? Where loads of films are played and people watch. How does that How does that work? Trying to get a film out to the festivals. 
Yeah, I mean, there's basically like in the festivals, you've got kind of like your your Premier League, your top tier, and that's like Cannes, Venice, you know, Berlin. Um, and we're all aiming for that at some point. But the reality is, is like the French spend tens of thousands on their short films and their films and you're competing with that. So when you start off, really, it's about just getting your film out there. So, you know, you've got the champions, championship and League One. And when you start off, you just kind of do like League One ones and you're just trying to get your reputation out there with the hope that someone sees you, picks you up and gives you a little bit more budget so you can create something a bit more exciting. So, yeah. Mm. So is that what you, when you push to festivals, are you thinking, I want my film to be out there and be seen? Are you thinking, I, I'm putting this out there ready for the next step for people to notice me and me to get a bigger budget one done? Yeah, I mean, I, I think from a young age, I was always very focused and strategic and always very much like, okay, made this film yeah it's all about the next level and get to the next level and create something better better kit better thing i don't know i think it's weird when you're when you're young and you haven't shot off big kit your main focus is i want to shoot off the biggest camera with the best lights and all this um and then when you get older you kind of actually go more the other way which is like well actually i just want to tell a story like i want to tell something that people watch and they go oh that was real and you realize that a lot of great films um like do you know what it's it's not always about just beautiful images it's about the images that are right to tell the story and i don't know i think nowadays i still love kit but i'm just a little bit less precious over it. yeah <laughs> so anyway is santa a businessman how <laughs> how did that do it at these festivals this golden age of cinema that i brought back Mate, i'll be honest i'm sat here thinking oh fucking hell like, yeah actually yeah <laughs> maybe he's just a really smart business mate that's it baby no so that was literally like 14 15 they've got these like great children's film festivals and i i, I don't know if they're still doing lots after covid i hope they are because um i think the most important thing is when you're a youngster and a filmmaker and if you're from like a like where i'm from which is like a working class background um to have that positive reinforcement that there might be a space in the industry for you and you're not insane um, <laughs> for doing it. It's nice. And that's where like, so that's where like that first very terrible film I made, um, it just got a few laughs and that was, that was what was lovely. And I don't know if people were laughing with me or at me <laughs> with the film, but I don't know. It, it, it led me to making more films. Mm, so your first proper award then, what was that? Um, so um, my first proper award, um, was uh did, uh short cinema in leicester so um and that that film was uh stereotype which um was probably one of the hardest films ever made so it's an anti-knife crime film um based on a essentially based on the, the kind of a true story um and it was essentially designed to draw the audience into the general stereotypes that we feel about knife crime but showing that actually you know individuals have a choice and everyone has a choice um and that, you know, stereotyping basically is just an enigma that, you know, we shouldn't really use or look at. So um, I made that film and, um, yeah, I, I won at Short Cinema. And then I also won, won a Royal Television Society Award, um, which was amazing. Um, I cried when I won that award, which was really depressing and sad. <laughs> I called, who's that? It was like a guy who plays like Ron Weasley's dad. He was getting an award. And I was like your mate, you are a legend. And it was like, I'm still alive. So like, I cried, I embarrassed myself. Um, so yeah, and I haven't won a big award like that since. So I still need to like, I still need to like go and reprise that and apologize and be like, I'm sorry, but yeah, it's um, it's an interesting experience when you, you win something like that. And that, what was your role in that film? Was it directing? Yeah, so with that one, it was directing, co-producing um, on that one. Um, and honestly, it was insane. I was so lucky. I had like support. So Warner Brothers, bless them, have still supported me. Madness. Um, so Sandra, shout out. Um, at Warner Brothers has supported me since I was young. So she, like all the light ones are there. Uh, take two, let me the camera. So I literally was shooting off like Stanley Kubrick's anamorphic lenses on this 10 minute short film, shooting in like the middle of Nottingham city center. Like people like, is that kid expensive? I'm like, no mate, don't worry about it, it's fine. <laughs> And then just like, so yeah, and um, yeah, I just ended up like shooting this this mad film. It was, oh, honestly, I look back on it now and I, I just think I was I was crazy doing it, but yeah, it was it was real fun. And it, yeah, I won some awards and yeah, got, got recognized, I guess. Is directing your 
is that the goal in your head to become a director on feature films? Because I know you you often talk about producing and being a producer. Where do you think you lean more towards? Um, I I love directing, and I think the art of directing is amazing. Um, it's very hard to convince other people to produce for you, and especially if you've got if you've got like really big ambitions. Um, it's really hard to convince someone to be like, yo, do you like not want to sleep for the next two months? Let's do this. And by the way, I'm going to be drinking coffees and chatting to actors. Good luck. Thanks. It's really hard to convince someone. So especially at my level when I was coming up, um, I, yeah, you kind of, I want to direct. Directing is my passion, but you do producing as a bit of a necessity, I guess. Mm. You're kind of seeing where it goes and where you lean towards in the future for because obviously the goal is you're going to be working on projects that are big enough to warrant a producer to come in and they'll be happy to come in would you in them bigger projects would you rather be in the producer seat or the director seat oh director definitely like i don't know any like producer come on like yeah sure if you're making the money and you got that side of thing then great and i think there are some people who you know love producing fair enough but no directing so much better directing directing there's something amazing about like create something and being like yo i need this and not needing to figure out how you get that that's beautiful it's amazing so yeah no directing is definitely better You've always been great at producing though, because I remember obviously we used to work together. Someone asked you, ah, oh, Jordan, we need this next week for free. You would always, you'd always achieve it. You'd always get it. So producing is something you're good at. Is that just come with the fact that when you direct, you're also the producer? Yeah, yeah. And, and to be honest, like <laughs> it comes from like, I guess, East End side of my family, like my dad. So my dad's like, help me produce and stuff like that. It's kind of that wheeler dealer, <laughs> only fools and horses vibe. You need a tank, I'll sort you out, love. It's all good. Um, and that's it. Like It's come out of necessity. So I guess, um, but always looking at a situation of like, it can be done. If you'll be like, yes. And being on the phone with people and figuring out, okay, what do people want? How can I get what I want, but give them something that they want? So if it's like, I don't know, a tank, which I think... I think that was my record. I think I got that in like an hour and a half, two hours. I was pretty proud of that. Uh, free as well, wasn't it? Yep, that was it. Um, so a free tank. But then, you know, looking at what we could exchange and help them out with that. Um, yeah, you ended up filming in that tank. Yeah, I, I, was, I was right because it was for an ex. Um, someone who used to be a tank driver, wasn't it? Yeah. And we, yeah. we got him in it. And yeah, I was sat on top of the tank filming. I wasn't recording half the time. I was just like, yeah, I'm on a tank. <laughs> Just going out, coming out live. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it was live. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, it was going out live, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that, mate. And then you, um, oh, do you remember you went on a um, a World War One plane? We didn't use any of that footage. You just had a great no, we time. Did. <laughs> we did. Yeah, we went. We went up in a World War One. So, so for it, it was for an old guy who used to be a pilot, wasn't it? And we, yeah, we yeah. went out in a World War One plane. Yeah, that, and I, yeah, I remember being. So I'm there filming out of. Um, well, I'm in. I'm inside the cab, filming uh, with the camera of the shots and doing flips. And I remember him saying to me on the radio, like, "Oh, is that good enough?" And I'm like, "No, we need one more flip." And he'd do another backflip and be like, "Oh, what about that?" And I'd be like, "Oh, could we do one of them side flips again?" I wasn't even recording. I was just like, "Whoa, this is class." Do you remember though? Like, I remember that almost bit feeling like that was the end of my career because we had like so like the whole idea wasn't it was that we um it was like a, a bucket list idea so like. Um, no matter like who they were, what they were suffering from, how old they were, we would essentially be like, yo, what's the last thing on your bucket list? And we would sort that out. And this old fellow was like, yo, I want to get in this Tiger Moth. I was like, yo, sh- cool, we'll sh- sort that out. Anyway, do you remember? He did that loop the loop. We had like BBC, ITV, all these cameras there looking. And as he went up for this loop the loop, you saw the engine stall. And for about <laughs> 20 seconds, all of us were like, oh, mate, this is national news. We just like straight up like... <laughs> Kill the really lovely old person. A plane's blown to pieces. Oh, no. But yeah, luckily, pilot, pilot turned it around, didn't he? Yeah. But 10 seconds, that was... Oh, my goodness. That was terrifying. That was... You're just looking at you like, oh, shit. <laughs> this could end so badly. You can see all the journalists just like, this is great. Yeah, just keep rolling. Just keep rolling. Yeah, yeah getting the notepads out like, oh, this is going to be good. But yeah, man. But oh, my God. Yeah, that's a bit of a flash from the past. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, the the stuff you do and me, the stuff you're doing more now is, how would you describe it? Like promotional video and photography, more like more videos for for client socials or or photography for the socials. Uh, yeah, it depends. I mean, 
um yeah so you've basically got like your base stuff like similar to like what we both do which is kind of like your promotional material and your advertorial stuff um which is cool and fun and stylish um and then every now and then you get very lucky and a client kind of comes to you and be like yo i want to do something narrative based and that's kind of what i always want to hear is someone who's like yo i want to tell a story and you're like um so yeah so i'm working on a couple now which i can't talk about um but yeah that's kind of that's the heart and soul of it is like if you can get a project where you know sure if it looks fancy great but if someone's like yo i've got i've got this great story that i want to tell about my product you're like yeah come on then let's do this that'd be great so yeah mm, you've been um you've been out filming abroad recently and something i wanted to go back to is um you used to talk a lot about the photography you did in kenya mm. What so what I've, I've you've never really told me the full story about that what what happened there and that was just photography was it out in Kenya yeah photography and a little bit of film um but basically um like I got my first camera Canon five D Mark II which was a like for its time was a wicked camera now I still got it it's not as good now but you know, you know. um just but, a DSLR a little DSLR yeah. yeah I'd like like this like metal frame that I'd hold on. Um, and then basically like we had this like fair trade um organization out there that was I was sent to um and essentially like the the fair trade organization they got like tires and they made them into flip-flops but then they like hired people to make the flip-flops essentially it's called like massage treads which was really cool right so I ended up doing like some behind the scenes photography there some photography of like the out in the Masai Mara but then it just like kind of grew into this documentary project where essentially because I was very open and i guess you could say naive i was just walking to the middle with like no protection or anything like that just walking into the middle of these slums i was just like yo i just want to get like family portraits i'm just really curious and i, I think because i was so naive essentially i was able just to capture images that i guess you wouldn't usually capture if you mean like just family yeah. and just chilling and everything like that. I've got a photo which I'll, I'll, I haven't got on me now, but I've got a photo of like 20 gang members like in Balaclavas. <laughs> I was just thinking, like, now nah, if someone like literally they're, they're like, yo, yo, can you come with us and get a photo? And they pulled me like behind this slum area, like where there were all these barrels and stuff. And there was like 18 guys all with Balaclavas all posing. <laughs> I'd be like, now I'll be like, yeah, all right, lads, in a bit. But then I was there like, yeah, yeah, and just pose. Yeah, if I, you could just move in a little bit. And all these guys Balaclavas like, yeah, yeah, no worries, no worries. I'm like, oh my God. Well, like, so they came and grabbed you when you were in the in the slum? Yeah, so it was um, a slum called like, uh, Kawinda Slum. So I was in there. And genuinely, like, I was in the main part and they were, they're like, yo, you, you're getting like, I saw you, because I did family portraits for everyone. So I right. set up like a... a um, bloody blanket like a uh, sheet white sheet mm. so it would be white background sun is blasting everything out anyway um and then i got portraits on that so they'd seen the portraits that i did for everyone in the community and they're, they're like I, I was there for like at least four or five days just doing my thing um and chilling and um yeah they literally just pulled me off and they're like yo do you, can you get a shot and yeah i think now i'd be like no like you're wearing a balaclava like i'm out but like genuinely like yeah and um it, yeah i got some wicked shots but yeah i don't know i think sometimes that naivety works well doesn't it mm. yeah let's have a brew dog break a lot of people who do photography and and videography so not like the cinematography and the film side of it a lot of people who do that often you hear that their journey started from just buying a camera and just being naive and completely blagging it what you you've got a story of um going abroad and just blagging it and getting things for free and just traveling over europe taking photos and video for people what's the story behind that oh goodness um yeah yeah not the shit i've just done by the way like <laughs> no 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 not that one <laughs> yeah the one a couple of weeks ago i'm still blagging but i'm getting away with it this, um, how long ago was this um, the one i'm on about uh oh i'm trying to think so uh, well yeah so i've done i've done a few so um new zealand i think like new zealand's probably one of the bigger ones and um, that I did so like yeah. the, the film stereotype like it did well in seattle expedia's based in seattle so expedia mm. were like yo do you want to do something so i was like did an advert for them and then i went to new zealand and i was just like Yo, like, I'll just, like, say I'm working with Expedia. Like, yo, it's cool. Like, I'll, I'll give the footage to Expedia. And um, I ended up creating this thing called Top 25. And I, like, built a website and sent it to people. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to find the top 25 places to sleep, the top 25 places to eat, and the top 25 things to do. Of the whole, of oh, the world? Of oh, New Zealand. I wanted Oh, to, New Zealand. The I world see. is the aim, my friend. Um, And then literally, like, 
the thing is, I don't think it would work in every country, but New Zealand is so friendly and lovely that they're like, yo, you want to like put it on your website? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Go skydiving, swim with dolphins. And honestly, I'm there like this, honestly. Um, all for free. All for free. Um, Like a uh, helicopter onto a glacier. Um, I've seen whales from a plane, swam with dolphins, swam with seals. Honestly, insane. Um, And then, yeah, we gave all the footage away, basically, and just shot it all and gave it away for free and was like, yeah, there you go. But I'm... Mm. Um, Honestly, the only thing that was like, like everything on that thing was like authentic and was generally reviewing. The only thing that definitely was a bit frightening, first of all, was like reviewing food because I don't know anything about food. So like they were there like, what do you think of the wine? And I was just like, good. (laughs) 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 Oh, hang on. Sorry. Talking about food. Do you remember your first time coming on a shoot with me? Yeah, I do. (laughs) Where? The the Nobu or the Noku. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that the one you're on about? That wasn't our first shoot, was it? No, I'm trying to think. Well, where you, where you literally had this, like, that chef. It was, like, such a lovely chef. And Jake was, like, I don't know, like, 17, like, just getting getting his feet with shooting and stuff like that and knowing what to say to clients. And this um, chef, like, preps us this, like, food that he's been working on for hours. And he, like, puts the plates there and he's, like, I'll be back in a couple of minutes. And I eat my food and then I look up and I look up too late as the chef's walking towards us and see that Jake has not touched his food at all. I look at Jake like, don't you dare say anything. And <laughs> the chef just goes, yeah, so what did you think? And Jake just turns to the chef and just goes, not for me. <laughs> just watch the chef. He's like, 20 years worth of experience. His soul has just been crushed by this 70-year-old. <laughs> Michelin star. <laughs> no, but I, I remember that because you, you were scranning yours and you were absolutely into it. And I had, what, like, squ- what is, like, squares? What is Nobu? I still don't fucking know. And I remember I was like, play it with Squishy, cut like a little corner off this cube. And I was like, this is horrid. And I thought, I'll wait for you, Jordan, to finish your dish. And then I'll say like, all oh, right, do you want this, mate? Because it's disgusting, <laughs> right? That's the word I'd use to describe it, disgusting. And then the chef came out, yeah? And I'm like, oh, shit. And then he's talking to you and I'm like, oh, he'll probably go away. And then the manager came out of the hotel as well. They were both there. And then, yeah, he asked me what I thought and I said, oh, not for me. And then after, and then he went to the bar and I remember you were fucking fuming at me. You were like, give that here. You snatched the plate off me, ate it all as fast as you could and went to the bar and started telling him how I was just a stupid northerner <laughs> who had no sense of taste whatsoever and didn't know anything. I'd like to say that I am from the north, um, but yeah. <laughs> I am the true north. You are the true north. Mate, you're a fucking wildling, mate. You're like, like, I'm like, I'm like, you know, like, Stark level. You're like wildling level north. Like, nah, mate. But we, we, we used to go to hotels and film, like, dead fancy hotels. And they'd always have dead fancy food on offer, like, venison or stuff I don't even know what is. Mm. And I'd always be like, fish and chips. Yep. Every time. <laughs> and they no, nowhere, no fancy hotels ever get the mushy peas right. Mm. Never. Maybe you should start like top twenty-five mushy peas and just tour tour the UK trying to find a decent restaurant. I think stuff should just be simple. I was saying <laughs> the other day, I was in Starbucks and you you like you try and order a drink and it's like, oh, what milk do you want? Oh, oh, do you want do you want some foam on some cocoa powder? I'm gonna start a shop, yeah, called Coffee, right? And it just coffee's the name, and you come in and it's like there's only one thing on the menu: coffee with milk. You know, if, if you want sugar. Fucking go to Tesco and buy some. We serve coffee. Go to the sugar shop next door yeah, that you also own, but you want to shop separate. You don't want anything mixing as a milk coffee. Yeah, yeah I mean... Coffee. It, do you know what? It sounds like something that'll be in Shoreditch, mate. It'll probably take off. Yeah, it'd do well. <laughs> do Just well, simple. Mate. Really simple. Oh, God's sake. Subway's <laughs> as complicated as I'll go, mate. Yeah, yeah. See it in front of you. you could, Mac is. Oh, well, that, that's different, isn't it? That's just fast food. Oh, yeah. But Could... I had a Mac's today, to be fair. Like, it doesn't matter how much fancy food I eat. I still like a Big Mac. I feel rough after it, though. McDonald's is so good, though. Yeah. You, <laughs> you know, you know, McDonald's have. Uh, <laughs> Are we asking for money from McDonald's? Like, yeah. yo, can you sponsor this? Though? Please sponsor this. <laughs> just pay me in Big Macs. <laughs> yeah. I'll take it. Boom. Have you seen. Um, you know, McDonald's have took everything away from Russia. Have you seen the McDonald's version they've opened in Russia? No. It's like, it's a B, right? But it's just the M, 90 degrees, and a line there. Let, honestly, let me see if I can Is get it a like, picture of it. Do you remember like East Side, West Side in like 90s hip hop? Have they just done that with like the McDonald's logo? Um, McDonald's rip off 
Russia. What a great country. <laughs> <laughs> there, look at it. Oh my That's god. That's the logo. Oh my god. That, so, look at the Photoshop it. They don't even like tidy that up. There's a little edge. It, it, that oh, is for god. people just listening. It is just the McDonald's M turned 90 degrees and a line that only touches the top and bottom. And it's just, and it's B. I don't know what it means, but I don't speak Russian. Look, they've got sub day as well. Sub day. <laughs> That's <laughs> Duffin Daigle. Surely this is made up. They oh can't my. just be adding adding letters and that's it. Yeah. Oh yeah. my goodness. Oh, it's my... Uh, Subdate. Yeah, that M though. That is ridiculous. What's CFC? Oh no, we've got that here, haven't we? Crimean fried chicken. That can't be right. Did you know in Japan, KFC, it's like... What's it called? Not a ritual. A tradition to eat KFC. <laughs> a ritual. <laughs> Loads of Japanese people around a KFC chicken. KFC, hoo-ha. Uh, <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a tradition to eat KFC at Christmas. No. Now, no, honestly, mate, it is the best marketing I've ever seen from KFC. KFC, where did I just say? Japan, Christmas. Oh, is it China? Like, either way, like, I'm struggling to believe this. Yeah, here we go. Why Japan celebrates? Surely this is PR. Every Christmas season, an estimated 3.6 million Japanese families treat themselves to Kentucky Fried Chicken in what has become a nationwide tradition. Why? Honestly, I've, it's crazy. I've never eaten a Christmas dinner and gone, do you know what? This gravy's lovely, but what I really want is some KFC. Look, there's, there's the Colonel in the oh, Santa Claus outfit. How good, that is some top quality marketing, if you ask me. How, how the hell have KFC do, managed that? Do you hear about that person? If you pull up like, the KFC logo, um, like that thought that, that that was his body, not not like his head. So like thought that that was his tiny body. So like... <laughs> <laughs> what? So someone was like, yo, like, I just thought that was like a really badly drawn stick man. Like he just ran out of budget and was just like, yeah, I'm not doing the rest of the body. That's all. Yeah, the, the colonel's bow tie. <laughs> That, that's funny, that. <laughs> that. I'm never going to be able to unsee it now. I'm never going to be able to unsee it. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, what, what were we saying? You were, in, you were in New Zealand and eating fancy food and you knew nothing about it. I knew nothing about it. It's very similar to, you know, simple, simple Northerner and knew nothing about it. Mm. But by the end of it, after spending like three months out there, they were like, yo, what do you think of the wine? I was there like, well, you know, it's obviously a deep red from Rotorua and I love the wild earth kind of flavourings. Um, still don't know what I'm on about, but I just copied what you know, what they said and that was it. But yeah, it was great, man. It was great. I definitely want to do it again in the sense of have that kind of thing um, travelling. I think it's fun. And I think documentary photography and just kind of that side of adventure is super awesome. It's something I definitely missed during COVID. I think everyone missed that during COVID is actually just been able to kind of go out and do things and yeah, adventure, whether it's in your country or mm. out and about. How was that? How was the main COVID period for you that first, how long was it crazy? Like a year when it was like lockdowns off and on and just nobody knew what was going to happen to the whole world. It's very rare that the whole world is on the same page. And COVID just made everyone on this sad page. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like I, I lost, I, I, I lost it. Like I, I did not deal with it. I, I'm like a prepper, except I don't prep. I just get anxiety. So I just like, like I should be prepping. I've got the anxiety of a prepper, but like, nah. Um, I, I ended up getting long hair, which I think is always like the sign of like, I was, I was, it was not good, man. Mm. <laughs> I was, I was very sad. To be fair though, there was no hairdressers open for a good. No, amount of time. no, no, like. I thought I think I was attempting like Johnny Depp level hair, but my hair's too thick, so it just ended up like just I look like serious black rather mm. than Johnny Depp, which I love Alan Rickman, but that's just not a look for me. I don't. Know, does does long hair signify crazy? Because I remember in lockdown, I, I was there with I, I, had, I had a bandana to keep my long hair back, but then yeah, I did I did go for a man bun. I did. It's not funny, Jordan. <laughs> I looked good. You look like a discount karate kid, like, like straight up, like the bandana. Oh my god, man! Oh, that was beautiful. I yeah. think I photoshopped you onto the Karate Kid poster. You did, and you sent it to everyone at work. <laughs> and then, and then our boss made it the group chat photo for like two months. That's that's exactly what a manager should do. It's beautiful. I actually talk about photoshopping your pictures. Um, I still actually have the photo of when we went go karting. I knew you were gonna fucking say that. <laughs> that's that wasn't funny, mate. That was not funny. We. Uh, 
Go on. So, so like Jake is like super competitive. Like, like I'd say like Jake's one of the most competitive people I knew. So he was. Uh, we did like this go karting, and and he and he, he won. apparently won. Who won? Apparently, apparently. Won. There's no. Evidence. What are you on about? There's, there's a no scarbone. evidence. There's no evidence. Like so. Anyway, there's no proper evidence, and there there is alternative evidence. They say it's fake news, but it's not. Um. So anyway, like we get to the Christmas party, and we have to make this video about like what the agency's been doing and like jake like does the animation for it and he's there like yo like i've i've put the photo of me winning right at the front of it so anyway he... <laughs> yeah i i had to make the animation and i'll admit i did put a lot of me in it <laughs> and all of them i was looking all great. of it in like like on a tank on a thingy yeah. it was like a, it was like a three minute tinder video for jake tracy <laughs> so then anyway he's like yeah yeah so i think he's, so he's like yeah like um uh can you export it i'm gonna head home i was like yeah jake i'll export it no worries um so we get to the next day and jake's like absolutely buzzing and uh, he's like yeah everyone's gonna see the victorious jake um and then throughout the whole three minute video we've either photoshopped him out of it or just photoshopped him tiny jake or just oh it's beautiful and just his face that's just just the opening shot where louis had been swapped with you and louis looked like he'd won yeah on the podium yeah you made me in third place and you made me about two foot tall <laughs> and then you put louis on first place but the worst the, do you know what the worst part of it was you're obviously good at Photoshop. It's your job. And you put no effort into no it. No effort, mate. It was just... Ah, oh, yeah. That was ridiculous. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, man. <laughs> and then the boss gave me a word like, I'm the best at go-karting and the best at everything. Fuck everyone else. I'm really northern. No one understands me. And just, uh, yeah, that Christmas party was just... It was obviously a good day, but I was just... I, I lost every single battle that day. Every single battle we had. Oh, yeah, mate. But a lot of drinks. That was a good night, that was. I like that. Mm. I can't remember where I was going before you brought you you you've made me lose track by just giving me shit. <laughs> oh shit, where were we? We're talking talk about photoshopping, bad photoshopping. You just you just giving me shit, and <laughs> I've com- I've complete I've completely I've completely lost track. Oh, I'm sorry. You good at go karting? Like, I'll hype you up now. I am good at go karting. You are good at go karting. I've never I've never not come first when it comes to go karting. Yeah, but you've only been against us once, so like. That's no, I've been go. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, we've been go karting twice. Oh yeah, okay. and I've won two times. And okay. before that, when I was younger, I don't know how old, not not too old. I'd been two times before that, and I'd won all them times. You, I'm I'm a born re- winner. Really holding on to those six year old victories. <laughs> I was older than six. I was like seven and a half. <laughs> seven, beautiful. Yeah. Well, let's let's let's. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Let's take it back to to photography then. Yes, Is, that's something. You're doing most of at the moment, or are you more on the video side? Outside of the creative director role, obviously. Um, I'd say two months is a strong 50-50. I'd probably say throughout the last year, it was like a lot of photography, just because um, video kit's so expensive. Um, And like when you go at it by yourself, like by goodness, you realise how expensive it is. Um, Mm. But yeah, like... Doing a lot of photography. I've got really lucky, mate. Like like uh, Aaron Craskell, the um, influ- influencer guy. Yeah, like that TikTok guy. That's Is he talk- TikTok? I don't know. I don't know. He just like influencey things. Just a chubby influencer. He just... <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to diss him just in case this goes live. Uh, but yeah, well, no, no. If I was rich, I'd eat a lot. To be fair. Yeah, to be fair. But like, he was lovely. So like, yeah. So I've ended up doing like really cool photo shoots with people. So yeah. It's rock and roll, to be honest. Mm. And photography, I, I do think, is a, a little bit easier than video in the sense of there's less elements to control. So mm. I'm going to offend a lot of photographers there. Yeah, that's 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 <laughs> a big statement. <laughs> what what do you think makes it easier? Um, you need less people to kind of do really good things because usually when you do photography, you're only aiming for like a handful of images, and you know, whether when you've got you know video. And you, you usually like doing moving shots, etc., and sound, etc. There's just a lot more to control and a lot to keep an eye on. A lot of people don't think about sound, do they, when it comes to video? Mm. Sound design, it can take a video to the next level. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, honestly, like, you guys have some crazy level sound equipment mm. at Raycom, like, wah, plug in Raycom. Um, but uh, yeah, like, you guys are, I want it. Um, <laughs> you didn't the side. Sponsors McDonald's Big Macs, um, but yeah, like the um, it is really it does take it to the next level. Like there was that guy. Have you watched a film called Monsters? Yeah, Gareth Edwards. Yeah, naming the director solid. Well, I've uh, met him. Have you? When did you meet him? 
And he did a talk at the National Film and Television School. Oh, nice. Nice plug, by the way. That was solid. Yeah. <laughs> Just, uh, seriously, I'm looking for sponsors. Yeah. <laughs> Someone like, help us out here. Um, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, so Gareth Edwards like, did monsters. He shot it off like a Sony X3. Like, just went to Mexico and shot a feature film. Like, like pretty much the dream. Like, cool. But the one thing he said was, like, he brought a sound guy with him. And then he, he did all the posts of CGI effects work. Like, he's incredible. Did it all himself. But he like watched the film and he's like, mm, it's all right. And then he hired like this really expensive sound designer and he just said like that completely changed the film, the vibe of it, the sound design. And I don't know if you remember, like it's an indie budget film, but the sound design on it is insane. It just makes like these giant monsters moving and stuff. Oh, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Mm, if I, I can't, if I remember rightly, isn't it? You can't, you never see too much mm. of the of the monsters. That's right, but you just hear them. And yeah. I think that's what makes it... That's, like, evidence that sound is so important because mm. you haven't got a big budget. Sometimes you need to rely on hearing things that are really scary. And I think that film, oh, yeah, it, it does it so well. Yeah. I, the best thing I took away from that talk of him, he was saying, yeah, the guy who was doing the animation for him said he'd just go around to his house and, like, check up on it and, like, we'll obviously work with him. And he said that guy was literally just smoking weed all day, animating all day, like, 24-7 and just doing an amazing job. Mate, that, that sounds like the dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's where it's at, mate. Yeah, but to be fair, like, that film is awesome. I, I remember, weirdly, though, like, so I, I didn't go to the same talk as you, but I went to a talk when he released Monsters. Yeah. Um, and I remember, like, being in Nottingham. And I won't name the guy, I'll be kind, but this, this chap was, like, had his feet on like the chair above and he was literally like go on and get on with it like saying that to gareth edwards because he'd only just done monsters and then i just remember like two years later he landed godzilla and i was like oh, i bet you feel like i'm right banana now <laughs> like oh, hurts. Yeah. yeah and he's done star wars as well isn't it was rogue one rogue one yeah yeah rogue one which i I think it's a great film. I really enjoyed Rogue One. It w- it's, yeah, it's really con- it like it, oh, it's fifty-fifty, isn't it? Like some people love it, some people hate it. Really. I I really loved it. Just to set like a, a a fresh story in in the Star Wars world. I'm not a big Star Wars fan, so I'm sorry everyone who is and doesn't like it. But I remember the was it the Darth Vader scene that they had to reshoot. <sighs> How much did that cost? Do you remember? Oh, did, did, yeah, but wasn't it like they did something like fifty million worth of reshoots in the in the overall film, and that was part of the yeah. reshoots? But that scene, oh my god, that's so good! Like, like when the lightsaber comes on. Oh, do you see? Do you see someone did like um, Queen? Um, Don't stop me now. Time to it. No. I feel like they missed the trick there. To be honest, <laughs> it's like having a good time, and then it's like like a shooting star, and it, yeah, it's great. Darth Vader and Queen. It's a it's a mix. That would have ruined the vibe. Of the <laughs> Imagine that it just comes out. Don't stop me, me now. now. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. It would definitely change the vibe of the Imperial March music. Like yeah. rather than dun dun dun, it'd be like, no, nah, just don't stop me now. Darth Vader vibes. Reshoots yeah. are a crazy thing in film because. Mm. Imagine that feeling when you're in, you're the director and you're in the editing room and you see it together and you just think, ah, oh, we're gonna have to reshoot that. And you've got actors who moving on to different projects and they're hard to book in and it just costs millions and millions. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the genius of someone like, uh, you look at someone like Peter Jackson as a director because he did like Lord of the Rings, the the three films when he did them and they had such long shoot dates and the actors were contracted in for such long amounts of time. They were just stuck in New Zealand doing it. He was able to get reshoots like there and didn't have to pay to bring them back and I think that was really clever. And then Christopher Nolan, Secondhand knowledge, but I believe it's true that at the end of each day, he gets his editors to put together rough edits. So it means at the end of the day, he can kind of be like, okay, I can see how this thing's working. Mm -hmm. So that he never needs to do like a full pickup shoot. Like it's always like, I will add it to the schedule the next day. Yeah. Yeah. The directors are really smart at it, to be fair. Well, I bet the editors hit him. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Edit it now. Dark Knight in 10 minutes. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah. What was it? The. When we talk about reshoots, I go straight to Superman and Henry Cavill when they had to put his <laughs> the mustache. See, yeah, he had a what? Which? Oh, yeah, he didn't have a mustache in Superman. And then Henry Cavill went to film. It was Mission Mission Impossible, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Which? Oh, which one's it called? Mission Impossible. <laughs> Mission Impossible. There's been too many now. Rogue? No. Was it Rogue Nation? No. Ghost no, Protocol. Yeah. That, was it Ghost Protocol? No. Or was it the one after that one? Ghost Fallout. Protocol. Fallout. Fallout. Yeah. Ghost Protocol was one with a glove. And Tom Cruise, as if 
the stunts he does are unreal. But yeah, anyway, Henry Cavill went to do Mission Impossible Fallout and he had a big, massive mustache for it. And they had to reshoot Superman, so they had to CGI the mustache out. Yeah, because apparently the studio was like, yo, like if you shave that mustache, you're going against the contract. Like, surely it's easier to get a fake mustache than it is to CGI, well, evidently, CGI a mouth. Oh, my God. Like, oh, you won't, uh, what is it? Do you bleed? And then as he said bleed, like, like the top lip was, like, not moving at all. It's like, so we just put, like, a photo of a top lip on top of it and went, yeah, that'll do. <laughs> if I was working on the Mission Impossible Fallout team, I'd say, yeah, do not shave that moustache. Yeah. It's not their fault, is it? Henry Cavill's tie- tied into Mission Impossible, he's moved on. Why should, yeah. Yeah, no, I get you. I, I just, I, I've got to, like, it's Superman. You'd be nice to Superman. But yeah, no, I get what you mean. I, I, what do you think of Henry Cavill as Superman? Um, I haven't seen it. Really? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like... so that's my opinion. Yeah, I was about to say. Movie reviews. <laughs> <laughs> Done by Jay Tracy. Oh, have you seen the new Batman yet? No, I haven't. Oh, Robert man. Pattinson. Yeah, Robert Pattinson. Is it good? Oof. I'm kind of like, I'm going to go and see it again. I watched it late at night and I think that's a bad idea. Like, I, or, I, like as someone who's in film, we all like doing like the midnight release, be the first people to watch it. I, I'm not a night owl though, so I always end up like wanting to go to bed like halfway through the film. So that taints my view. But, oh my goodness, it's got some of the best sequences any Batman film. The bit where it's like, they think I'm in the sh- they think I'm in the shadows. I am the shadows. Perfect. My Batman voice ain't bad in this. Uh- <laughs> now you can hear yourself. Yeah, now I'm like, oh my god, I love, I love this. But oh my god, and he comes out of the shadows. Oh, like that's what every every person wants to be. Just just walk out and just be like, yeah, come on then. That was beautiful. Have you seen the um the Joker? Yeah, man. We. Oh. What's he? I can't remember. Joaquin Phoenix? Is it, is it Joaquin? Joaquin. <laughs> I don't do know. Joaquin. Is, is it Joaquin? Surely you pronounce the J. I don't know because I didn't know if it was like Juan, you know? Joaquin Phoenix. I didn't know it was like Joaquin. That is, that is a crazy movie. Oh, f- Jesus. I watched it with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that, that was a, like, a brilliant film. But at the end of it, I was like, you. Because it was just with him, wasn't it? You spent two hours just with him. No cutaways to anyone else, no other story. So by the end of it, you're just like, you're, you see the world from his perspective. Mm. But I kind of, you know, a bit terrifying, to be honest. Afterwards, I was like, yeah, fuck the world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we're just jumping on police cars. <laughs> nah, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not crazy. Don't worry about it. That's what, yeah, cool. Okay. <laughs> I promise I'm not. <laughs> so you promise you're not. Like, you, you get what you fucking deserve. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah! Oh, wow, that escalated quickly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're on about the NFTS. The National Film and Television School. Yes, yep. Why don't you tell me about your experience there? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, it's just mad. Like, I think, I don't know about your experience, but my experience of it was, it was crazy. If you didn't come from a particular wealth, or you were kind of just used to, like, shooting stuff on you, like, mm. cheaper cameras and stuff like that. And when I went there, I was only, like, 17, 18. And then to turn up, and they've got literally, like, I think they got Barry Lyndon, like the DO, director of photography of Train Spotting chatting. I had Edgar Wright come in and be like, yo, you know, all these people that you idolize are just at the school, just being like, yo, and this is how you do this. Honestly, phenomenal. Um, and I've still got people that I know from there today who've gone on to crazy things. Um, and it was, what's the, you did the same course as me, didn't you? The BFI Film Academy. Yeah. So that's a, a two-week residential, isn't it? Yeah, it's a BFI Film Academy. And then, like, yeah, there was like a two-week residential thing, which was really cool. Um, yeah, and I was I was selected as a director, which was really nice. One of the, one of the six people to be selected. So, mm. yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just rock and roll. It was just really inspiring. And, you know, you've got people like Roger Deakins, who in my eyes is is up there as one of the best cinematographers ever. Um, no Country for Old Men is just I can't. I mean, Shawshank, No Country for Old Men, like the like. I mean, nineteen seventeen. Like you list out his films, nineteen eighty four. Like all his films, you just go, wow, the guy is on fire. It's insane. Um, even Unbroken, which isn't like a one of my, it's not like one of my favorite films at all. But the cinematography in it is like, oh, like he's got moves. Um, so it's just really inspiring to go to a place where they have studied there. Um, I, I just is this is it still going on? Is the BFI Film Academy still a thing? I'm sure it will be. Yeah, I'd hope so because I think it's really good. I think it it helps out a lot of kids, doesn't it? Really? Yeah, because they select because they do the BFI Film Academy, don't they? Where 
think it's like 12 people are selected for it and that's um regionals the word isn't it so in your local area yeah. you're selected and go to that and then from the whole country 66 people are selected there's six teams and one of each role isn't there is that right yeah, but like, what was your region? Because you were like on a hill in the middle of nowhere. We like just like. Um, I think it might have been. Maybe it was Cumbria, the whole county. I don't know if there was another one there. <laughs> it's just you on a hill with a camera. They're like, "Yep, it'll yeah. do. <laughs> Bring him along." Now we did a. Our film was in a the my local one. The regional cast was yeah. in all in a basement. <laughs> it was about. <laughs> Sorry. It was just me. I'm. I'm insane. Just, just you in, in a basement yeah. by yourself for a light bulb. No, it was um. It was about two people who were in a bunker and the world had ended and then it was a man and his wife and the wife left to get more fuel for the generator and then this guy just went absolutely crazy and he was there like having dinner with a balloon with a jacket on. Just <laughs> I love it. Mate, to be Classic fair... low budget. Yeah, one location. <laughs> one location, two actors, that'll do. Yeah. Make it dark so we don't need too many lights. Let's yeah, just go okay. for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It looks grainy. It's edgy. Don't worry about it. It's yeah. post-apocalyptic. Do you remember your first film that you um you made when I met you? Like the first ever one. Oh, mate. That was amazing. Mate, that, was, that was genuinely iconic. I was genuinely like, I remember watching it and being like, oh, I'll let you tell it. Go on. To, to tell, to pitch, pitch the film, man. Well, no. So I came for an interview um, at Pick and you were in the interview and uh, the boss of the company, I think. And we, um, you know, we had the interview and then you, said right good interview now you need to go away and make a video about making tea and you're like that's it just make a video about making tea so then i well actually you told me how much you liked the lake district and i knew everybody likes dogs so i thought right i'll go up a mountain uh, yeah combine them we'll just merge go up a mountain well a hill not a mountain go up gum as how it was walk to the top with my dog so this is all part of the film. How long is it? 30 seconds? 40 seconds? Walk up this hill with my dog, get to the top, make myself a brew, and then make the dog a brew as well. And then the slogan came up, showing off my animation work as well. Um, follow the new trend, share a brew with man's best That's friend. That's it. Oh, man. Oh, oh mate. That, that should have been nominated for a DNA D Award, mate. That yeah. was slogan of the century. I remember the, I had a kettle on a stove. And three times it blew down the hill because we because to get um, the best view we were like away from people and it was like a steep edge, so it it blew off and then it's like a five minute walk down to get it. You go back up, put it back on, straight off again. The dogs running away. It was but be yeah, best 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 piece of film work I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> Speak now. That was, yeah. was awesome. Wells, that was it. That was your Citizen Kane mm. after then downhill. Nah, man. Nah, that was awesome, man. But on the on the on the NFTs, mm. it's interesting you gravitated more towards the speeches given and the people you met and the experience there rather than the experience of making a film with, with a decent budget and and with a good team and with support mm. because actually that's that's kind of when i think of the nfts rather than thinking about the experience of making the film i think back to the the kind of courses we had with pete spending a day with people like like sound designers are our cinematographers um talking about their experience in the industry and the talks where you'd all sit together in the big, um, like cinema style mm. thing, and they're they're there talking, and just that experience, and just going away with people you have no idea who they are, you know, complete strangers, and forming a team. Mm. That experience is so vital to being a confident individual. Even if I didn't go in the video ro role and go pursue that as a career, mm. I still that experience would have still been so vital to me and my confidence. Uh, absolutely yeah i think it's um yeah it's it's inspiring like that's all it is it's an inspiring experience um and yeah i don't know it's weird isn't it when you look back on it and you think it is mad though like you put up a whole bunch of 18 year olds together you give them like 100 grand's worth of kit and it's like go forth and make a film it's a miracle anything happens but yeah it's amazing yeah because they probably get they do give you responsibility don't they they, they properly give you mm. it's like you're operating a camera and it's like mm. a, a, a harry alexa the same camera that you know some mad dops using who's shooting hollywood features and you're like 18 years old like all right then <laughs> i'm sure i'll get the s same results yeah no dramas mm. but yeah it's mad did you do film did you do film and media at, at college what did you do after school yeah high school 
Uh, Haskell. Uh, I didn't say it like that. Really. Haskell. What did you do after Haskell? Did, did you? I tried to not mess up that time. <laughs> to be honest, I wasn't doing an impression. Did you? Did you go to Haskell College? What did you do in America? Did you go to high school? Did you have a high school? That's what it's called. What is it called? College or sixth form? No, 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 no. Listen, listen, listen. All right, we start. Haskell. Primary nursery reception. Yeah. Primary school, high school, college. No, comprehensive. So, so my question was, after high school, did you do film media at college? Are we on the same page now? Uh, I've got, I've got it. Yes, I did. Yeah, I did. I, um, yeah. So we, yeah, I did. I did media. I did English. I did uh, thingy. The weird thing is, um, I, I have terrible anxiety with anything that's terribly important to me. I'm really bad. So basically, I absolutely fluffed the easiest exam. So I did like English literature and things like that. I did like business in GCSE and got an A star. Didn't really like revise too much. Business at GCSE. Yeah, I didn't know that was. A thing. Yeah, yeah. So I did um, well, back in the day. A back in the day. Um, so yeah, I did like applied business, business finance. Did both of those. Double A star. Media got a C. Just like it was just so important. I was like, I just want to ace this exam at GCSE or at college. Uh, both, mate. I was I'd, honestly because what would happen is I'd get a star like in my practical work, right? But then like media exams are not hard exams. But I just, mate, honestly, I just overthink everything, and then by the time I get to the exam, I'll be like shaking, I'll be terrible, and then ironically, it'll be like business finance exam. I'll be like, I don't care about business finance. Smash it. Mm. It's just, I think, I don't know. It's weird. I think you start to you manage it as you get older, don't you? If you I mean like yeah. if you uh, and you understand that it's okay to have anxiety and things, but right. yeah, when I was younger, it's terrible. <laughs> Exams are bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> like complete bullshit. I remember at school, I wasn't very good at at physics. Right, I hated school, but I I, I will say I went I went to a good school and I, all the teachers were great. Mm. And my physics teacher told us all. You know, if you want to know about physics, do it at sixth form. But all you need to do is know how to answer the questions. You don't need to know the reason why. You just need to answer the fucking questions on the paper. So all we did, well, a lot of what we did was practice exams. So he'd just give us practice exam papers and just be like, do them. Like, and we'd be like, oh, why, why is this the answer? He'd be like, you don't need to know. That is the answer. You just need to know how to answer questions for the exam. And I'd... I knew nothing about physics, but I think I got a a, a B in physics because I knew how to answer questions. I knew the right way to answer them. I hope them. no one in that school is like operate like a nuclear power plant right now. And is there like, why is this doing this? I don't know. I just know that I should press this button. Yeah. Like, ah! <laughs> but oh. that's all that's all high school is. It's an, it's an exam factory. Yeah. It, it's not necessarily conducive to getting the best results out of people. Is, if you mean like, mm. and yeah, I agree. It's a, there's too much kind of focus on points equal prizes. You know I mean, like there's too much on that. And rather than having a proper worldly view on a subject matter, mm. it's very much like putting you in a box, which mm. I don't think is too smart, really. I think it's on the right track that people should know a little bit about everything before mm. they choose. But so many people have no idea what they want to do. You know, it sounds like you knew what you wanted to do from a young age. Yeah, but I, I, do you know what? I had like really good influences. Well, like, I had an English teacher who started a media course in my in my Haskell, um, comprehensive as we say in the United Kingdom. Um, but yeah, we, um, I had an English teacher. I had a media started a media studies course, so I did that at uh, my GCSEs. I did media studies then, um, and like just having someone like that who was like passionate and wanted to like do evening classes and da 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 da, like. It, it that that ironically like i say oh i had a passion from a young age but you had i had so many influences around me kind of like weirdly not pushing me in that direction but it felt like there was a direction in which i could go yeah that's nice my high school was mainly just be an engineer that that was it the only career talks we had at my school were engineering talks yeah nothing else and i, I think what would you do if you weren't doing like photography and film um I'd have probably ended up going to sixth form and doing some subjects I didn't like, scraping past, and then going to uni. Probably would have fucking done, no offense to geography students, but I'd have probably just ended up doing something like geography. Because <laughs> so, I was good at geography and I liked it, I had a good teacher. How no, so in my head, <laughs> in my head, if I didn't know what I wanted to do, I'd have yeah. just gone, ah, oh, well, I, I like my, my geography teacher. Um, I'm all right at it. I'll probably just do that. 
Because what it's so hard. How to... are you good at geography? Just like yo, like where's Spain on the map? You're like there. You're like yeah. Nah, classic colouring in. That's all we used to do. <laughs> Draw me orienteering. Out. You were just like banging at orienteering. Yeah. My coursework at, at geography, because you know you do coursework at GCSE as well. Mm. My teacher told me it wasn't good enough. Like I needed no, like I needed to put more effort in to do mm. better. So um, and we just get it and give it back. But w- all I did was um. Didn't improve it at all, mm. but took my scorecard out that he'd done to mark it, yeah, and told him I improved it. And then when he when he went back, obviously the scorecard wasn't there, and he was like, "Fuck, like, I'm gonna have to mark this all again, rather than just the subjects I did." So he just gave me a, an A in the classwork. Didn't change. It. He, he said it wasn't good enough to get even this pass, and I just took the scorecard out, and he obviously looked at him and thought, "Fuck, marking all this again," <laughs> and just A, just gave me an A. I feel like you've cracked the system yeah. there. That is, hey, that, is my, that is my high school success story. Definitely not getting sponsored by AQA or anything now, are we? No, yeah. I'm sorry. It's, it's a fictional story. That. Fictional story. Yeah. Give us Big Macs, yeah. Give us, give us Big Macs. <laughs> anyway, Jordan, it's been, it's been a lovely chat. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, man. Thanks for having me on. No worries. Thank you, everybody, for listening. See you next time, hopefully. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Peace.